Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Proverbs chapter 22, a portion of Scripture that should be familiar to all of us. 22 and verse 6, and i like to share this morning on principles of training, principles of training. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Father, we give thanks to you for your holy written word. Knowing that it's been tried and tested and found to be good and trustworthy and true, we can depend upon it. As I preach your word and proclaim it loudly, I know, dear Father God, that your spirit will guide us into all truth. Hearts are receptive. Ears are attentive. Minds are open. We will not be distracted. Your spirit will enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness that we may be doers of your word and that our faith may stand not in the wisdom of men but in the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Our children are eternal spirit beings. Sometimes we look at our children and we say, well, that's Jason, that's BJ, that's Lisa, that's Jimmy, that's Mary, that's Susie. And that's all we see. But God wants us to view our children as being eternal spirit beings who will never cease to exist, who will never cease to be. You think about that for a moment. As mothers and fathers, we've had the privilege of being involved in God's plan of procreation, bringing forth lives into the earth. But not just for a short period of time, 60, 70, or 80 years upon the earth, and that's it. It's all over. That's the end. But giving birth to eternal spirit beings who will never cease to exist, who will never cease to be, but who will go on living throughout the eternal ages, either in the place that God has prepared for them that love Him, or in the place that God has prepared for Satan and his angels. Uh, And I can just hear some young ones saying, well, why is it like that? Why does it have to be that way? Well, because we are eternal spirit beings. To give you an idea, when you look in the natural world in which we live, you discover that there are those that choose to obey the laws of the land, and there are those that choose not to obey the laws of the land. And when you get caught not obeying the laws of the land, then you're sent to prison sometimes. Well, why is that? Well, because we can't have somebody who doesn't want to obey the laws of the land, who doesn't want to move about as a free will moral agent choosing to do what is right, contaminating our society. And so what we do is we separate them so that they don't contaminate our society. And of course, depending on the crime that they commit, after they pay their dues and supposedly learned a lesson, then of course they can be thrust out into society once again. Well, we are eternal spirit beings. 
And that means we will go on living throughout the eternal ages. This is our testing ground. This is our time of proving. This is a time that we prove to an eternal God, a holy God, that we choose to live with Him in the place that He has prepared for us throughout eternity and choose not to be separated from Him or His people by being rebellious and choosing to live life the way we want to live it. Because we are eternal spirit beings, then there must be a place reserved for those who are rebellious people who choose not to obey the plan of God. Since they will go on living throughout the eternal ages, God has to provide a place where they will not contaminate the society that He wants us to live in. The environment that He wants us to live in forever. So yes, we have the right of choice. We all understand that. But we are, what we are choosing is our eternal destiny. Where we will spend our eternity. So no matter how we want to view it, we have to face the reality that we are all eternal spirit beings. Heaven is just a holding place where the saints of God go until they await the resurrection of their physical body and there is a reuniting of the, of the body with the spirit and soul. Hell is a holding place. It's not the final place. It's the holding place where the spirits of the unjust go, the spirit and soul go, where they are under indictment waiting until the day of judgment when they'll be reunited with their bodies and then finally cast into the lake of fire, which is the final place. Beloved, that's a fact. That's reality. Whether we believe it, whether we disbelieve it, it doesn't matter. It's in the Bible. It's reality. It's true. It will happen eventually. As Christian parents, then, we are responsible before God to train up our children in the way they should go. That is our responsibility, to train them up in the way they should go. So that when the time comes that they are going to leave our authority and protective covering, they will continue to go in that way and then finally be caught up and taken off into eternity to be with the Father. That responsibility is the responsibility of every Christian parent. That is to train them up, to lead them in the right path, to show them the right way. Wouldn't you say then that it's important for parents to know the way of God? If they are going to train up their children in the way that they should go? How can we possibly instruct our children in the way that they should go if we do not know the way we should go ourselves? And it's sad to say, beloved, my brothers and sisters, it's sad to say, but many families do not have both mother and father serving the Lord, walking in the way of God. God's ways must be found. And people must be diligent to find the ways of God. He said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways, my thoughts are higher. Just as the, high, the heavens are higher than the earth. And so no matter who we are as individuals, we are responsible to find out and discover the way of God so we can pass on that way to our children and our children's children so that they can continue in that way and be blessed from one generation to the next. It's a beautiful thought, isn't it? To realize that God has spoken in His Word saying that I will keep covenant with all them that fear me unto a thousand generations. And what that means, you'll be assured that your children, your children's children, 
and their children and their children will have the blessings of the Lord rest upon their households forever as they live upon this earth. And should Jesus tarry, I believe that this can be accomplished not only in our lives, but the lives of our children and our children's children right on through, even right on through a thousand generations. Well, this being the case, I believe that today I'd like to share some thoughts with parents about child training, some principles that can be shared that will help us better accomplish the purpose of God when it comes to rearing up our children. It's a holy work. It's a work that involves diligence and persistence. But if we're going to accomplish it, we have to understand some of the principles of training. Also, if there's time and maybe intermixed with it, I'd like to share some thoughts with our children, with young people. And young people, please don't turn it off. Give me your attention. Because this is going to benefit your life. These are some things that you need to know that will help you so that you can better cooperate with your parents. So as to make their task easier and responsibility easier and also to make your way of life easier. There is a way that you should go, and if you'll walk in it, you'll be blessed in all that you set your heart and hand to do. The blessings of the Lord will be upon you, and not only you. Remember this, young people. There's coming the day that you're going to get married and have your own children. You can start preparing for that right now in the spirit realm. Did you know that? You can start right now in the spirit realm. You young people out there, how many of you want to have healthy children? Children that are respectful. Children that will respect you as parents and others who are their elders. Absolutely. That's what your heart's desire is. Well, you can assure yourself, you can be assured that your children will be blessed of the Lord. Their character will be Somewhat different than others who are in the world who do not serve God because you will begin instilling within their hearts certain things by your influence as you make this highway for God to move even now before you ever have children. The patriarchs of old lay hands upon their children, believing that the blessing of the Lord would be carried on their lives and over to the lives of their children. They believed in that. They knew that it was a way to make God's blessings flow from one generation to the next. And so that's why it was a practice among these patriarchs of old. So give me your ear also, young people, and listen so that your life can be enriched. First of all, let's begin by looking at the word train, to train up in verse 6. By definition, the word means to mold in character. To the parent, I would say it's our responsibility to help shape, form, and mold our children's character. It's in the home that a child's character is shaped and molded and formed. Children are a byproduct of their environment. And you see, what takes place inside the home is what's going to have a strong impact upon their lives. And so when it comes to developing character in our children's lives, remember, it's not at school. It's not at church. 
It's not anywhere but in the home that this work begins. And that's why it's important for many of us who live in such a a wonderful free society that we live in today, recognize the responsibilities and duties of being at home with our children in those young years when they really need the attention that only the mother and father can give. But to train them means to mold them in character. It also means to instruct by exercise. To instruct by exercise. It means to drill. It means to make obedient to orders. To make obedient to orders. It means to prepare for a contest. And it also means to point in an exact direction. Sure, it implies all these things. But, beloved, I want you to take notice in particular the last thing. To point in an exact direction. Make no misunderstanding. It is the responsibility of every parent to see to it that their child's life is pointed in an exact direction. This is the way you should go. Just the other day, once again, my son BJ came up to me as we were walking downstairs and said, Daddy, how do I know that what I believe is true? I was not wishy-washy with him. I wasn't taken back by the question. I recognized here is a young 10-year-old boy with a legitimate question who is saying, he is sensitive in his heart, he is saying, I don't want to just believe it or just do it because everybody else is. Daddy, how do I know? See, I'm BJ. How do I know that what I believe is true? How do I know that what others out there believe is not true? And as a Christian parent, not just as a pastor, and beloved, this isn't just for those who are in the ministry. We all need to know the Bible. We all need to know how to answer our children's questions so as to instill it within their hearts surety so that they know for a fact. So they can be assured within their hearts knowing that this is the way. And I dealt with his little spirit and the spirit of the living God. Remember this. Child training is not an easy task. All children we recognize to be different in their character and attitudes and motives and all that. But beloved, the way of the Lord is sure. And whatever is needed, the spirit of God will give. Whatever wisdom is needed, the spirit of God will give. He will guide us, He will direct us, He will instruct us as to how to deal with our children and their personalities. So I turned to BJ and I said, BJ, let's sit down and talk about this. And I shared with him principles of truth that would assure his heart that what he believed is true. Not because I said it. And I went through what the Bible says about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I let him know that all the claims, all the other claims that are made out there were not backed up by a resurrection from the dead. And if you believe that someone knows about eternal things and states that he knows something about eternal things and states that he knows about life after death, but yet cannot back up his statements with proof, facts 
of knowledge that will guarantee he knows those things, then how can you believe his claims? But I said once again, B.J., I remind you that when you go to the gravesite of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find no bones. He was the only one in human history that ever supported his claims by a resurrection from the dead. And his heart was satisfied. And you see, the Spirit of God will quicken that inside his heart and give witness to that inside his spirit so as to let him know that's true. So thank God we have the Spirit of God and the Word to help us. We are to point them in the right direction, and that was the way he should go. For Jesus is the way of God. It also implies training our children in the knowledge of and conformity to all the laws of their entire being. That is spirit, soul, and body. Spiritual laws, moral laws, and physical laws. That's what this word training is implying. That we are to train them in a knowledge of and conformity to. Now, this is being helpful to parents. I realize that this morning. But, you know, sometimes we need to have some instructions, some help. Along these lines. I want to make sure that we understand the things that God wants us to do. The primary things. The most important things. And here is an important thing. We are as parents to train them in the knowledge of and conformity to all the laws of their entire being. That includes their spiritual laws. Emotional or the the moral law and also the physical laws. Which means to root them and ground them in correct views of truth which is what I just did with BJ, to root and ground them in correct views of truth and also in right principles of action. Right principles of action. Correct views of truth. How they perceive truth. How they understand truth. To root them and ground them in these principles of truth. Now, notice this. We're not talking about the church. We're not talking about the Christian school. It is the parent's responsibility and duty. You say, why is it the responsibility and duty of the parent? To root and ground them in correct views of truth. Because they look up to you more than anyone else. And should look up to you more than anyone else. As an example. Do you see that? They look up to the parent. You hold a place in your child's life that only you can hold. And that's it. And if we'll be obedient to the Word of God, to do what He tells us to do, our children will respect us, they'll respect our views of truth, and also they'll be passed on to their hearts and lives because we have answered their questions and directed them in the way that they should go. We need to know what God's Word says. But it's also true that we must establish them in the right principles of action. And what that means is to root and ground them in the correct habits that comprise their entire conduct, their entire makeup, or their entire conduct. It's our responsibility to root and ground them in, in the correct habits comprising their entire conduct. First, establishing a relationship with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are responsible to do something about establishing them in this relationship. It's our responsibility and duty. Take them to the Word of God, have a season of prayer, a time of study, to show them what the Word of God says about things so that they can develop this type of intimacy with the Father God. But 
it's not just all spiritual. It's not just all spiritual. And I think sometimes that's where we fail to understand the full scope of what it means to train up our children. We are to teach our children how to be in cheerful obedience to their parents. Instilling within their hearts and minds from a young age. It may not seem that spiritual to obey your parent. But it's biblical and it's something that's going to bless you for the rest of your life if you'll do it. And so we're to instill this within their hearts and within their minds at a young age so they can be cheerful in being obedient to their parents. The blessing or the benefit comes upon them. It falls upon them. And let's remind children of this also that as you sow, so shall you also reap. And if you'll be obedient to your parent and decide to be in cheerful obedience to your parents, knowing their position, knowing that they're under God, knowing their responsibility and duty, if you'll be in cheerful obedience to that, doing it as unto the Lord heartily, then, you see, you're making an avenue or a highway through which God can move and see to it that your children will develop the same way and be in obedience to you. It also includes establishing them or... Grooming and grounding them in correct eating habits, sleeping habits. Think about it. Resting habits, relaxing habits, studying habits. It is the responsibility and duty of parents to establish children in these things. Children will not do that for themselves. They'll not take the necessary time... That, it, that, that is required for them to develop in these different areas. They'll not develop, in other words, these particular good habits in their lives unless they have someone to train them. And that means not only teaching them that they should do it, but it means sitting down with them and seeing to it that they do do it. Working with them until the habit is formed in their lives. Now... I could just think of, well, just for an example, Jason, my Jason, when he comes home from school, the child has to get his homework done. He has to get his homework done. He can't live with himself unless he gets his homework done. We've told him time and time again, you need to do your homework. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do this. You've got to get your homework done. So finally, it dawned upon his young spirit and his mind. And he said, well, if that's the case, then the moment... See, this is a boy who likes to get out there and, and, I mean, do it. He likes to get out there and play. He likes to get out there and just tough it. He's a boy. He's all boy. And that's all there is to it. But he figures, well, I'm just going to be that way then. I'm going to give my all and, 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 you know, just pour myself out. And the moment he walks in that door, he likes to see to it that he gets that homework done right away. And he got into the habit of doing that. Even one day he came in and just, you know, came in through the door. says, Daddy, get out. Move. What's, what's, where are you going in such a hurry? Got to get my homework done. Okay. So he said, that, that's his study habit. He's got to get right to it right away. He's in that habit. And you know what? For others, now someone else might say, well, my child doesn't do that. They want to get home from work and just take it easy and relax for a while and, you know, do other things. And then later on in the evening, then they'll do their homework. That's okay. As long as they get it done. But that's not Jason. See, Jason's a little bit different. He's got to get it done. The moment he gets in the door, he wants to get it off of his mind, out of the way, so he can get down to other business. So thank God he does it. 
I can't complain. You know, one report card period of time, he had all straight A's. So, I mean, I mean we, can't, we can't complain about that. But he got the work done. And, of course, B.J. being the same way, uh, an excellent student in, in getting, you know, what is necessary to get done. Uh, it's difficult to bring this up and, and to, to discuss it publicly, yet it's something I feel that needs to be spoken out and talked about. But it's also important that parents take the time that is necessary to root and ground their children in correct hygiene habits. You know, a child doesn't always know or understand all that is necessary to do to see to it that they take care of their physical body. And if they're not taught from a young age that you need to take a bath on Saturday night, at least, you know, at least on Saturday night, <laughs> whether they need it or not, you know, they're not going to volunteer to take that bath, are they? Are they? Now, that's, that might be, you know, is a child okay if they kind of get away with that once in a while, which, which we see to it that they never get away with doing something like that. But can you imagine if the parent does not instill within their hearts these correct habits from a youth? Can you imagine what happens? And we've seen it happen, and we've done more than see it happen. You find adults who become very offensive in their hygiene. And you can't even get close to them. Well, I thought about this. Well, my goodness, if that's the case, and this is the case according to God's Word about parents teaching their children, if they smell like that, can you imagine what their parents smell like? Now, come on. I know it's hard to discuss and talk about, but nevertheless, it's true. Now, don't get me wrong. It could be that their parents taught them right, but they just rebelled and went off into another direction. You know, but I thought about that. It goes back to childhood. Oh, come on. Even, yes, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, every time you tell your child it's time to take a bath, what do you hear? Do I have to take it now? Have to brush your teeth before you go to bed? Do I have to? Give me one day I don't have to do it. One day leads to two. Two days leads to three. Three leads to four. Forget about it. Your teeth will be falling out by the time you're 15. No, it's important that we as parents begin at an early age. And I mean an early age. People want to know, how can I be successful in rearing up my children, training up my children? Beloved, it starts at an early age. That's why I say some of you out there who are not married yet, take note. It's a whole lot better to learn these things now before you enter into them so that you can know what to do in advance. Because once you get involved in it, beloved, it's a whole different ball game. It's a lot more difficult to accomplish and achieve. The key is get them at an early age. Some want to start at 15, 16, and then we think we have magical wands. You know, the faith message does not provide magical wands for anyone to, to, to just wave it over some child and just change their character, change their attitude and all that. I tell people in counseling them in marriage... And this is one of the reasons why we have a long time of counseling before I ever marry anyone here in the church. I tell them that when you're an individual, you are responsible to develop an intimate relationship with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your first identity. That's your first responsibility. You know what? If you don't do that, you're going to hurt no one but yourself. 
you are not going to be benefited by it. Now, I know you'll hurt your parents, but I'm talking about you as an individual person. You will finally have to face the judgment seat. But I say this, secondly, when you choose to enter into a marital relationship and become husband and wife, you take on your second identity. Don't wait to get married to find out what your responsibilities and duties are. It's much more difficult to start learning then than it is to find out what you're supposed to be doing and then start making preparations for adjustment and change. Learn first. And that's why we have a period of time that we lay down some... Some, some spiritual foundational laws and fundamentals so that people can enter into it with better understanding and better light and better knowledge. Well, the same thing is true. I tell them when it comes to parenthood, you take on a third identity. And by this time now, notice this. If you don't fulfill your duties and responsibilities as a husband or as a wife now, you don't just affect yourself, you affect your mate. And that's why we're having so many problems in the Christian uh, church, the body of Christ today, when it comes to divorce. When it comes to marriage and divorce and all that. Because people are not committed and dedicated because they've not learned. They've not taken the time to discover what God's Word says about the whole plan of marriage. Just enter into it and that's all there is to it. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to child training. We've got to discover. I, I, I tell people, look, this may be a little bit premature, but you're getting married in six months. Let me tell you something right now. You better get yourself some, some teaching along these lines. You can't get it all here just coming to church. You've got to get some study books for yourself. You've got the best of all study books, the Bible, the Word of God. Get a hold of what it says and start putting these things into your heart and mind right now so that you know which way to go in when it comes to child training. And that way you can be a better influence upon your children's lives. So you become a parent. You have a, thir- a third identity. It demands responsibilities and duties. And you'll know what they are in advance. And you go on learning all these different things that will help you to be more successful in the rearing up and training up of your children. So, when it comes to hygiene and all that, it's important that parents realize that they're responsible to see to it that whether that child like it or not, they should take a bath every day. And if need be, twice, if the occasion arises. Also about brushing their teeth and everything else so as not to be offensive when they're mingling with people. That's important. And where does that responsibility lie? Upon the parent to teach their children in the right way that they should go. See, it also involves physical, moral, social laws and all that. And the Bible speaks out about these different things. But it's also important as parents that we realize that it's our responsibility to establish them in in correct views of other people, in respecting other people. You know, I appreciate the days in which we live, but sometimes I think that there's something missing. When I was a youngster growing up, I always called my elders Mr. and Mrs. How many of you did the same thing? How many of you, your parents taught you to call your elders Mr. and Mrs.? Raise your hand up high. And whenever you saw some, you were in, involved with someone who was older than you, it was always Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so, your neighbors or whatever. Okay. But in the day in which we live, and I know the times change, and I know that things change, you know, maybe this, that younger generation or whatever, we don't like to be called Mr. and Mrs. Just call me by my first name. And we try to instill into our children, well, you should call this one Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. Well, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so is only about 35 years old, and Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so wants to be called just by her first name or his first name. And that's fine. But you see, what happens, I believe, is we then 
fail when it comes to teaching them respect. That's one aspect of it. You think about it. When did, did children really begin to become disobedient in all areas of life? I mean, really disobedient in all these areas of life. You can go right on back to the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, and that movement there, and you find out, my goodness, they had no respect for government. They had no respect for teachers, had no respect for anything, just for self. I'm going to do as I will. I'm going to do as, my, as I please. I will submit to no one. That was the spirit that was upon uh, the, the, the lives of the youth in those days. And I believe the people are reaping right now the things that they sowed. The higher divorce rate, all the difficulties and the problems with people being submissive, not wanting to be submissive, not being respectful and all that. It's important that we instill within the hearts and minds of our young people that they need to respect people. Not come home from school and, and, and say that you're, you know, your teacher's a dodo head or something like that. And, whoa, that's okay. Just go ahead and talk like that. We always tell our children, if they have something to say about their teacher... Fine, you know, we'll discuss that with you. It's not always that the teacher is right. I understand that. But it's not always that the child is wrong also. And so we tell them, but you must respect your teachers. If they're in that office, if they're in that position, you have to respect those people. You find out people will talk about uh, police officers in, in, in a bad way and that sort of thing. We should never instill that into the minds of our people. If children hear their parents talking disrespectfully of police officers of teachers, principals, and others, they're going to pick up that same habit. They're going to say the same thing. They'll be developed in the wrong habits when it comes to respecting other people. Now, it's important that we as parents realize our responsibilities and our duties. We are to teach them to respect their elders. We are to teach them to respect their teachers and other people. That way, they'll be submissive. Now, young people, listen to this. When you get out there in the workforce, the work field, one of these days, you're going to find out. You carry an attitude that has no respect for other people. People aren't going to hire somebody like that. You're going to find yourself in a position one day you're going to have to be in subjection and in submission to other people. That's just the way life is. God's order, God's chain is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Husband or, or father... The individual man, mother, children. There's a chain of command. That's how authority flows. That's how it goes. And it's important that we recognize that we're going to be submissive to someone someday. And even if we live out or the length of our days upon this earth not being submissive and not being respectful, there'll be a day you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I guarantee you, you will bow your knee. Whether you say you're not going to or not, you will bow your knee. That's all there is to it. So why just wait till then? Let's learn to be submissive right now. But parents, we must teach our children to be respectful. We must teach them to respect other people. And even if these others are wrong, we teach them to deal with these matters in a proper way. And you see, then they'll grow up and they'll be developed in, in a proper habit. So let's add to this word training this, this thought. Teaching then, or training then, is more than just teaching. Training involves more than just teaching. Teaching deals with the mind of a child, but training deals with the will of a child. We can teach them what is the right thing to do, 
But just because we taught them is no assurance that they are going to do it. Training then involves with dealing with the will of that child to get them to the point that they will to do what is right to do. That they will to do what they've been taught to do. They will to do that. They know that it's right. It becomes a part of their will. That's what training does. Training influences the child so as to see to it that the child does it. Teaching just teaches the child what to do. And so we can say, well, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. But that's not enough. We should do this and let's show you how to do it. Let's execute. Let's apply. I remember when I went, well, first of all, I can say I went to Rhema Bible Teaching Center. No, Rhema Bible Training Center. And that's why it's called a training center. Because it does more than just teach. It shows. It influences by showing people how to be effective in ministry. Through application. Applying the Word of God right there. You can see it in application. You can be trained in the things of God to know how to apply what the Word of God teaches. So it involves more than just learning. Knowledge that's being taught. It is a training center to help train people for the work of the ministry. But in the natural, I remember going to football training camp. And when I went there, the first thing they do is give you a book of plays. And they feed your mind with all this knowledge as to what you should be doing in your position. Well, it's not enough. That's just not enough. It's a training camp because it involves more than just teaching what you should be doing in your position. It takes you then out on that field, puts you in that position, and then execution is expected. Application is expected. This is how you do what you're supposed to be doing. And then you go over it again and again and again and again and again until it becomes a part of you. Now, some catch on easier than others. Some do not. In discussion, having a discussion about this just the other day, we saw in this discussion that some people just have the abilities or the talents built within them and they know exactly what to do. But you see, to find out who's going to be that one that has it, who does not have it, you could have somebody who could be a potential All-American sitting out over there in class somewhere not doing anything. So you expose them to the sport and finally they're drawn in. And through this process of training, you can find out which ones have it and which ones don't. And the ones that do, it becomes a part of them, a desire is within them, and they begin to perform and apply themselves. But you see, the same thing is true here, spiritually speaking. We provide what is necessary as far as the information is concerned, but, beloved, it involves more than that. We've got to also take them apart and show them how to do what is necessary for them to do to get the job done. And that's where we come in as parents. Boy, it doesn't sound like a whole lot of time is left for me to have a, a job somewhere, does it? And, beloved, I know this may sound hard right now, but if we want our children to tur turn out to be the children that God wants them to be when they're young, I cannot emphasize this enough. You make decisions in your own life. We make decisions in our own lives. But one decision that my wife and I made was that while our children are young, she will be home with them. Because no one can replace the influence of the parent. No one, no, nothing can replace that. 
I know that some people are placed in the positions, difficult situations. I say you've got some leverage. You've got some pull with God. God wants you to be with your child to instruct, to teach, teach, to rear, to train. Those people, those trainers out there that were teaching me in football, spent all that time to impart their knowledge to me and show me what to do, what they want me to do for their own gain. And you know what? If you went out there and scored four touchdowns and performed well, they, you were their boy. They patted you on the back. But if you twisted your ankle and you just hobbled out on the field, I had one tell me, go sit over there, you baby. You big baby. I like to say, you big baby. The guy about ripped my knee off and I could hardly walk on it. You want me to get out there and, and, and run? Run the ball 90 times you know, during a game. You try out there on this knee. I'd like to have it to work. I mean, I'm excited about being in the game, but don't call me a baby because my, my knee's not working. Why was he like that? Because he was concerned about his record, about winning his own game. That's what he was concerned about, not me. Young people, your parents are concerned about you. They have your best interest at heart. The things they are teaching you, saying to you, training you up in, in the Word of God is for your benefit, not just for their benefit. See, they're concerned about you performing as you should perform, being proficient as you should be in the things of God, so as to be pointed in an exact direction in your life to go forward, so as to be blessed all the days of your life. Training involves more than teaching. It, it involves influencing that child to see to it that that child does what he or she should do. Now, children, in Ephesians... Well, I'll tell you what, you know that scripture, so turn with me, if you would, please, to Jeremiah chapter 35. Let's get this one in. And while you're turning there, I'll make these comments about Ephesians chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 35 will be our next scripture. Children should view their parents then as trainers. You know, I think there would be a whole different attitude in the household, in the Christian home, if children viewed their parents as trainers. Well, these are my parents, and they're also my trainers. They are training me in the way of life. Why is it that if, if this is your coach that's training you in this, maybe in gymnastics, here is someone that you look up to because of the wealth of knowledge that person possesses when it comes to gymnastics. And you've taken time to set yourself apart to learn about gymnastics. And you follow everything that he or she tells you to do. How is it that a child can give more respect to that gymnastic trainer than he can to a parent. What about a musical instrument? You have a teacher who trains you, imparting his skills, her skills, into your life through this exercise, through drilling you with exercise after exercise after exercise, pouring you in the right direction if you are going to be proficient in playing the piano in gymnastics. Why is it that children seemingly will... Submit to this instructional teaching and have respect for those who are showing them these different things. But when it comes to parental guidance, but when it comes to parents instructing them in the way of life, why is it it seems like they're resentful? They resent what's being said. Why is that? Because parents are reaching children where they live. Right where you live. Right here. Right in the gut. Right where you live. 
But you see, beloved children, if you would view your parent as a trainer, training you not in gymnastics, not in football skills, not in musical skills, but training you up in the way you should go, pointing you in an exact direction because of the wealth of information they possess and the experience they possess because they've already lived through those years. They're aware of the strategy of the enemy. They know how the enemy works. And they can see by your attitude, they can see by what you're doing, you are on the wrong road. Children, make note of this. Your parents are responsible to keep your flesh in check when you won't or when you don't. When you were young, yes, they said, go brush your teeth. It's rare that I have to tell my children to brush their teeth anymore. My wife and I have instilled that into them, instructed them, and drilled that to see to it that they do it. Because that's a part of life. Do it. But the same thing is true, beloved, when it comes to a teenager. You may sit back and chuckle thinking, yes, I remember those days. But what about these days? What about these days when it comes to listening to what our parents are saying about the things we should not be involved in? Do we give them that same respect? Do we give them the opportunity that is necessary to train us? If not, then see, we've got to respond. We've got to cooperate. Otherwise, parents are not going to be able to do what God has instructed them to do. So children should be viewing their parents as trainers who are training them in the affairs of life, in eternal things, in things that will shape and mold them for the eternal future. By definition, a trainer is one who directs another's growth. It is one who teaches so as to make one fit, qualified, or proficient. That's what a trainer is. And that's how a child should view his parent. And the Bible says that if you are obedient then to the authority and, and the direction that your, that your parent gives you, children, the Bible says that God will protect you God will provide you with long life and healthy days, well days. You are benefited by this. You'll be proficient in the ways of life, but you'll be benefited because the blessing of the Lord will rest upon you. But as we saw when Brother John spoke about Eli and his sons' disobedience to, to parental authority and government, what, what happens? They open up a highway or a door through which the enemy can come in and take a life prematurely. And I want to show you that as being illustrated in the Word of God. In Jeremiah chapter 35, look at verse 14. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed. Now, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. See, in verse 12, Then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, a host, the God of Israel. Go and tell these men. Tell them what? Tell them what? You would think this would be something so profound. Something so spiritual, supernatural. But look what the Lord says through the prophet. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. Now, for unto this day, and it goes on, but in the Amplified Bible, and I want to read that to you. 
unto this day refers to more than just a few days. In 30, the 35th chapter, verse 14, in the Amplified, the command which Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons not to drink wine has been carried out and established and as a custom for more than 200 years. To this day they drink no wine, but have obeyed their father's command. But I, even I, have persistently spoken to you, but you have not listened and obeyed me. I have sent also to you all my servants, the prophets, earnestly and persistently, saying, Return now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But you did not submit and consent to me, or listen and obey me. Since the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have fulfilled and established the command of their father, which he commanded them, but this people has not listened and obeyed me. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, and they have not listened. I have called to them, and they have not answered. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you've obeyed the commandment of Jonadab, your father. Because you have obeyed your father. Because you listened to your father, obeying his commandment, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to send it to stand before me. And what that means is your, your people are not going to die off. And you know, not to die off and become extinct, you know what that means? Healthy days, well days, long life and peace. But I want you to notice that Jehovah Himself, Himself said, Because they obey the command of their Father, I will put my blessing upon them. They've done it for 200 years. Yep, adults out there right now, parents out there right now, you may not realize this, but your blessings... The Bible says, not only come upon you and your children, but I don't know, we should all be doing this. In Deuteronomy, it says, He will keep His commandment unto a thousand generations. A thousand generations. You may have to sacrifice a lower income today, but I guarantee you the rewards that will be reaped will be beyond anything you can have possibly achieve in this life. Because in the tenth generation, should Jesus tarry, there may be another great minister with a great God who will go forth and proclaim out of your loins the word of truth. One generation to another being blessed because parents are diligent enough to teach the word of God. Let's go on. We've got to get this in. Matter of fact, can we quickly turn there? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Since I made mention of it, look at... Uh, Beginning at verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it, that you might fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and commandments which I command thee, that you, your son, and your son's son, notice this, you, your son, and your son's son all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, and do it. The Lord of our, the God is one God. He wants us to do it. 
Thou shalt, verse 7, teach diligently the precepts, the statutes, the commandments of God to our children. Talking about them in the house, when you're sitting down, whatever you're doing. Why? We'll go on to verse 20. Deuteronomy 6, verse 20. And when thy son asketh thee in the time to come, saying, What mean these testimonies, statutes, judges with the Lord? Thy God hath commanded you. You taught them when they were young, and they said, Yes, Daddy, yes, Daddy. Okay, I understand that, Daddy, yes, Daddy. All of a sudden, they become 14, 15, 16. Now, why in the world are we going over this stuff again? What an attitude change. Yes, children go through change. But when they come to you and they say, why do we do this? Why are you consistent? Why are you persistent? Why do we have to pray about meals? Why do we have to pray to God? Why do we have to praise God? Why do we have to go to church? Why are we doing all these things? Son, because there was a time when we were all doomed for eternal damnation. Son, there was a time that we were in bondage. Son, there was a time we couldn't make ends meet. There was a time we couldn't get healed. There was a time we were always sick. But I want you to know something, son, daughter of mine. We call upon the name of the Lord one day and he saved us by his grace he brought us out of the miry clay placed us on solid ground and we are here right now you see the house we live in you see the things that we possess in this life do you see the peace that we have the assurance that we have the knowledge that we have you notice you've not been to the doctor in 10 years of your life son it's because we serve the living God that's why and he's delivered us out of the powers of darkness I thought it was a magical formula no magical formulas in the faith message principles to abide by diligence is required if we want the fullness of the blessings young people listen you start now the day your ears hear the word of god many wait till it's too late and they don't have opportunity to develop in these things this is why he brought us out from thence he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers in verse 24 and the lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the lord our god for our good always for our good always. Not for anybody else's good. People, for our good. That He might preserve us alive as it is at this day. Principle of training. Make note of it. Your example is better very quickly than your precept. If you're taking notes, write this down. The power of training lies in what we are and do. Not in what we say and teach. It is our will and practice that trains, not our wishes and our theory. It is our will and our practice that trains, not our wishes or our theory. And what that means in a nutshell, and very quickly we'll close with this, is this. If we don't want our children to grow up smoking then don't smoke. If we don't want our children to grow up with alcohol, then don't drink. If we don't want our children to grow up cussing, then don't cuss. If we don't want our children to grow up being a complainer, then set the example in the home and don't complain. If we want our children to grow up praying and looking to the Bible, then pray and look to the Bible in the home. Quote to them the Word of God. Tell them what the Word of God says. Be the example in the home. And that will speak louder than any precept. 
any type of teaching you can possibly offer. If we don't want our children to gamble, then don't gamble. If we don't want our children to lie, when someone calls you on the phone and says, Is mommy home? Don't tell them to say no. If we don't want our children to grow up stealing, don't come home from work with that tape in your lunchbox. In other words, don't instill these things. Don't let them see you doing those things that will give place. Because you're not just involving, or this isn't just involving, beloved, only what they see you do. It's involving a spirit that's behind what is being done. And even those little things will open up a door that the enemy can come in. If we don't want our children being caught up in lust, then see to it that you don't bring the magazines in your home. And we can go on and on and on and on and on and on. But this is a principle of training. What we do and what we are speaks louder than what we say and what we teach. Amen? This is just the beginning, okay? Praise God. This is just the beginning. A lot to be said along these lines. Amen. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.